You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 39. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey son, hey son! And Andras has got his voice back. Fantastic! Yeah, Al Pacino's gone. Al Pacino's gone, damn it. <laughs> At least for now. We'll get him for the next show, yeah. And you know what What happened? It was thanks to modern medicine oh. in the form of antibiotics Ooh. and a highly effective expectorant. Mm. So thank you, science. Thank you, science. Mm. Science rules. No homeopathy for you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm much better, but how, how have you been, guys? I've been a little bit under the weather, but I'm back uh, back on track now. I was, uh, I was attending the local skeptics uh, in the pub uh, last night. And I'd like to give a big shout out to PJ Rosemark who who in who entertained us with not spoon bending but fork bending and uh, some other mentalist tricks. It was really we had a really good time. Did he actually use the the forks of the place, or he had his own forks? He had his own forks, which, uh, okay. which is a little bit suspicious. But we had we got oh, yeah. to inspect them all before he started, so I, I guess it was on the level. <laughs> okay. What about you, Yolanda? It's been good. Another good week. Any um, news from the the squirrels? No. Yeah. No news. Bloody bastards! They never return your calls. I I, I feel. I know. Mm. Mm. Not very <laughs> nice of them. No. <laughs> But you you usually you usually up to very interesting things and like um, some adrenaline rush, nothing of that kind. Um. Well, you know, just doing London things, um, the London. seeing seeing comedians and what. Oh, all in a normal week. <laughs> Lucky bastard. Okay. okay. <laughs> When I'm back to the UK, we're gonna have to um, go to another recording of QI. Yeah. When it's that'll back. be good to finally get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, together actually. I still feel bad about that. Uh, <laughs> you you're can, allowed. You can if, if you want. Yeah, to. It's, I, I it's know. Totally, <laughs> I know. It's totally up to you. I have every reason <laughs> and right to do that. <laughs> you know who didn't feel bad about no terrible things though, and still got into the company of saints. Oh, oh, I know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. This is an old, uh, really wrong prize. One of the first we we awarded it back in episode four, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but you can listen to the back catalog if you've forgotten. So, uh, Mother Teresa is uh, has became become a saint now officially, and she's still no more a saint than she was before. Yeah, I still can't believe it happened. It it fills me with disappointment and yeah, rage in a way. And especially with with you being such a fan of uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens's work, yeah, it, it's it's actually eye opening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he must be mm. just rolling in his grave like a fan. <laughs> yeah, I would say no pun intended, but actually it was. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, what a what a thing! What a what a story! Yeah, yeah, sad story, really is. But I mean, it just. You know, the, I think I think maybe there's something good in this because 
I I I think that the 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 church has the Catholic Church has got a lot of bad press about this, uh, and maybe maybe it's uh, one little seed of doubt that uh, the the Catholic Church is maybe not such a good organization after all. Uh, well, or am I too optimistic? I don't know. Oh, let me tell you something about uh, hmm? the the recent developments in Hungary. It's very closely related to hmm? to what we just talked about because they established a sub department uh, within the human resources department for the defense of Christianity in Hungary. The defense of Christianity. Yes, that that's something that the government needed to to uh, create. Yes, sir. Fantastic. And. The money allocated to to this um, newly brought up uh, thing hmm. was three million euros. Government money. Government money. It's the taxpayers' money, and it's still not very clear who they want Christianity to be defended from, <laughs> or what kind of Christianity. Uh, what kind and, and and what kind of attacks are they uh, visualizing or or something? But it's very scary uh, because uh, there are there are certain people who actually fear that uh, it's it's a step against atheism and secularism. Mm. Definitely secularism. That's that's absolutely crystal clear. Sure. But what they will actually equip this uh, new authority with and what the purpose of it will be in the long run is totally unclear and and they have been talking so very aggressively against any kind of atheism and different religions so now the government is a, a great proponent of uh, christianity and catholicism to be to be Hallelujah. very precise yeah he had a meeting with uh, with the Pope, mm. and uh, that's where he came up with the idea. Oh, oh! So the Pope didn't propose it, perchance? No, no, no. On the way back home, he he just came up with the idea. He it was a revelation, probably, yeah, probably, maybe from Mother Teresa. <laughs> so good for us. Ah, good for us. Yeah. I'm not impressed. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. You know who was impressed very much with? Uh, our involvement probably our most enthusiastic listener is susan gerbeck mm-hmm. yeah and it's so nice uh, seeing her m- mention us or comment on anything that we cover on the show and um you remember when uh, yelena was not on the show she was out campaigning in, uh, among the, the squirrels the squirrels yeah. and uh, we mentioned guerrilla skepticism on wikipedia and how they got involved with the wikipedia article um covering cupping mm. and what battles the, the, were there taking place and uh, i think it was agman who who asked the question how such um, a page develops at the beginning and uh susan went on to provide an answer to the question so um i'm gonna put up the the link to, on the show notes yeah good for everyone to see yeah because it's interesting um to, to it see is. It is. Uh, what 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 a battle like like this looks like okay um i think uh, this was a long enough introduction to the show but i think it's safe to say we have an interesting show prepared for for our listeners packed with the mm-hmm. greatest number of events we've 
Ava had to report happening all across Europe. Yeah, lots of things going on. It's like crazy, crazy, crazy number of events. Uh, some intriguing topics discussed on our, our usual bi-weekly segments and even two short chats uh, I recorded at an international festival that mm, has absolutely nice. nothing to do with science and skepticism. But uh, <laughs> it just that the Hungarian Skeptic Society happened to be represented there. Uh, by me among others and I had my mic with me so this is how it happened but I hope you like it uh, we don't even talk much about skeptical topics but uh, yeah um, one of the guys is uh, from Slovenia and uh, a young lady from the UK I I did a short interview with so if we're all ready I am so am I great let's start the show then And what else to start it with than Yelena talking about someone connected to this day. This day being the 10th of September this time. Yes. Um, I want to briefly talk about um, a guy who was born on this day in um, 1713, 10th of September. It was um, somebody called John Needham. He was uh, an English naturalist and Roman Catholic cleric, which wasn't that um, unusual or uh, yeah. unexpected, or, or, or interesting for that matter, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, so he was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very negative about clerics, uh, Catholic clerics out there. Um, I don't mean to, but um, yeah. It has nothing to do with Mother Teresa having. having yeah. <laughs> Continuing no, no, no. on the theme. <laughs> Of clerics. Um, okay. He was the first cl uh, clergyman to be appointed as a fellow of Royal Society of London, which is a really big honour. And um, what he actually did do in his life, he became um, exposed to uh, natural philosophy for some reason, uh, while whilst in seminary school. And um, he later published a paper, which while the subject was mostly about geology, described the mechanics of pollen and one recognition in the botany community. But that's not why I want to talk about him. I want to talk about him because he did a very interesting experiment as well as all the other things. Um, he did an experiment um, that uh, involved placing a broth into a bottle, heating it and then sealing it, and days later, Needham found that uh, there was a presence of life. And eventually he announced that life had been created from non-living materials. Ooh. And that supported the incorrect idea that the life could come from non-living things. Um, I'm just trying to think now whether it would play to Christian faith or against Christian I think it would help Christian faith wouldn't it if if he would prove that Uh I think so because yeah. then then you would need God for that but uh let me just interrupt for for just yeah. one second because the yeah, idea yeah. itself it originated from much earlier Uh it is believed to 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 have been originating from Aristotle Yeah okay that might be like like was... 2000 years before Okay. Yeah, yeah. But th this is what he did, and th that was his experiment. And uh, uh, Needham believed that the, this uh, heating of the broth was sufficient to kill all living things, 
before he locked whatever but and his subsequent observations of life in the broth led to his conclusion that living things could arise from non-living material however subsequent scientist Lazaro Spallanzani was able to refute Needham's theory through experiments by properly heating broth and then comparing sealed broth with unsealed broth and um, basically he proven Needham wrong because after heating this whole soup properly that there was nothing that that then obviously um transpired and uh, no living uh, organisms so yeah um back back in the day um i guess catholic clerics were um some of the most educated people and um not surprised that john neither was doing all these experiments but um he was proven wrong and that's how the science works and that's why it's so great um, and we moved on since then, and we know that that's not how the life actually originated. If I'm correct, and please listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we still don't know how, because people still try to create, recreate life in lab conditions, but I don't think we can. No, sure. There are there are certain certain very interesting theories, yeah. uh, and there are even experiments going on with uh, cyclical reactions based on on known organic materials. But the connection is still not made. So even but even even when we will be able to create life out of non living material, it still won't tell us how life was created. No, I think we, we, we. My understanding is we have to run an experiment that goes for like six or seven or eight hundred million years, and it's hard to wait that long. Yep. Yeah, we're not. We as human species, we're not that patient, or we can't really live longer than. Or long live now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We we haven't figured out the way of living six million, six hundred million years. Yet. <laughs> I'm still hoping for that, though. Well, I don't know. Would wouldn't you be get bored? Six hundred million years alive? Come on. I'll deal with that problem when it happens. <laughs> I think. I think sometimes I have the feeling that even not even six hundred million years would be enough to know everything. Although they found this residue of life that was 3.7 billion years old. Wow, yeah, in Greenland. In Greenland, yeah. So so it was that's less than a billion years anyway. So 800 billion years then or whatever. Yeah. I had a feeling that uh, this was the very reason why you specifically mentioned 800 million years. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. It's a good one. Um mm. but what I love about Needham and Spallanzani's work is that they tried to so it was absolutely scientifically sound what they did and how Spallanzani actually disproved the theory with properly boiling the the broth it was it was brilliant mm. he realized that when you actually change just one parameter of the, of of the whole situation like for example properly sealing the broth after after boiling it or boiling it for long enough, uh, that kills the germs. And we are still before the germ theory actually took place. Yeah. So the germ theory came, it was formulating in a way, but the germ, the germ theory is generally linked to Poster's work. Yeah. Because he was the one actually proving that, that it's, it's the right theory. Yeah. And, and so many other connections like Samowice, do you, you know Samwise's story, right? With the, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the sanitation and hands, everything, right. yeah. and washing your hands yeah. in between operations. From they had no idea 
what caused mm-hmm. the problems when they went from dissecting a person to actually helping a woman give birth mm. and they couldn't figure out why lots of the women uh fell ill and died yeah. uh, uh wow so and that was before the germ theory and they they are all interconnected they all built on one another's work and that's the brilliance of the whole thing that's science for you that's science i love science i fucking love science yes <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Helena. All right. So, are we all ready to cover all those events? Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Let's get right to it then. So, why don't we start with uh, a short talk uh, given at one of the events called Communication Festival that's in uh, Italy, in Camogli which is uh, up up north uh, in Liguria. And the speaker will be Piero Angela, who's a well-known science educator. And if you remember, he was the first mentor of uh, Massimo Bolitoro. And he will give the, the talk The Science and Pseudoscience in the Age of Web. What date is it on? It's on Sunday, the 11th of September. Um, on the same day, the 11th of September, um, something is happening in Germany, um, which is great. Um, it's in Weingarten, uh, Ravensburg, Germany. They're going to have a three-day symposium on um, a world full of conspiracies. Ooh. So great to see the Germany participating in our event cal- calendar. Mm, again, yeah. <laughs> Also on Sunday, the 11th of uh, September, Sofia in Bulgaria will host uh, yet another ratio event. The title is Closer. The speakers will be Vladi Bosilov, Maurice Greenberg and Kirill Rusev. And it's not specified uh, what kind of talks uh, will be given, but it's going to be a, th- a several-hour-long event, so there might be several different talks taking place there. And on Monday, the 12th, in Copenhagen, there is a Skeptics in the Pub called What Do You Know About the Finances of the Danish National Church? That's uh, pretty interesting, I think. Same day. 12th, uh, in Amsterdam, there is a talk about Planet Nine and Sedna. And then in Glasgow, still at the same time, uh, something called Jet Fuel Doesn't Melt Steel Beams. And I'm sure that has to do something with um, uh, 9-11 and uh, conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. And on Tuesday the 13th, Köln Skeptics in the Pub is back uh, with Professor Günther Nimtz. And the talk is titled Sick from Bluetooth, Wi-Fi and Cell Phones. Interesting. Mm. So, yeah, it would be nice to be there. But I wouldn't understand a word. So, <laughs> On the 14th, there'll be many, many different events, in, all in England. Five different events. Uh, so the first one will be in Stoke, Adventures with Cosmonauts um, uh, with Michael Luckman. Um the second one will be in Bournemouth, Skeptics in the Pub, um, and um, they'll be talking about secrets and lies uh, with Karen Douglas. Uh, third one is in Essex, 
Lifting the Lid on Going Adventures in the World of Pseudoscience with Michael Marshall, uh, our good friend, from Good Thinking Society. And there'll be another one in Newcastle. Um, and the theme is coming over here, fighting our wars with Ben making. And last but not least, um, Manchester Skeptics are having a general meeting on the same day, on the 14th of September. So if you're in the area, uh, come and join them. That'll be fun. And just be in the way so that they cannot discuss everything that, regarding Manchester Skeptics <laughs> <laughs> and the future of Manchester Skeptics. They'll probably even be, to, be, to be talking about QED and Exactly. Stuff. Give them all the help yeah. they, can, uh, they, they uh, deserve. Yeah. So, you know what? Don't go bothering them. Uh, but you can come along if you're in Sekesvehervar, which is in Hungary, on the next day, the 15th of September, which is a Thursday. And uh, we're going to be talking about a recent um, kind of controversy um, involving one of the, the most uh, recognized fitness gurus called Norby and his actions of spreading nonsense to about a million listen, uh, followers. But there will be four other events in the UK on that day. One of them is in Bedford. Uh, the title is Psychiatry Reasons to be Skeptical uh, by Dr. Stephen Jinn. Uh, the next one is in Edinburgh. How to beat a casino using math and a little psychology. Ooh, I'd like to know that. Oh, yeah. The talk will be given by Rumit Somoaya. The next one is in Liverpool. Why eating bugs will soon become the new normal. A talk by Jenny Josephs. And the last one in the UK on that day is in Worthing. The fuzz, how chaos creates order and how order creates chaos. And the speaker will be Richard Robinson, the director of Brighton Science Festival. Mm. On Friday the 16th in Göteborg, Gothenburg, there is, of course, a full moon pub. Because I guess you all know when the full moon is. Uh, <laughs> uh, in Bilbao, at the same day, on Friday, uh, there is the first day of a, uh, of a conference called Science, Skepticism and Humor. And that will be for Friday and Saturday. And we've we've already talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sure, think. That's yes. uh, Bilbao up in uh, northern Spain. On the next day, Saturday the 17th of September, there will be um, skeptics in the pub in Spain, Barcelona, returning to the world of prehistoric astronauts. Mm, Paleo-astronauts, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know there was they were prehistoric. Oh, it depends what they meant by prehistoric, I guess. And the speaker is Alfonso Lopez Borgonos. Archaeologist, you you guys know? Do do you guys know who that is? I don't. No. He's actually he's actually a president of uh, the 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 Spanish organization. Aha. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. Yeah, the Spanish skeptics. ARP SAPC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. And then on the same day in uh, Brussels, this time um, is a talk: how to keep a good mental daily hygiene with Christoph Michael. I'm assuming it's a Brussels skeptics in the in the pub. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So that's that's an interesting topic. Yes, it is. And uh, this will be all. Um, I don't know if our listeners noticed, but uh, we also covered a Saturday event, which is the next week. Um, and the reason for that is because we're going to try to shift our schedule a bit. 
um, based on our our own personal schedules, and that we would like our show to be to to make a bit more sense regarding the calendars, so that from now on, starting with the next show, uh, we're gonna cover the weekly events starting on Monday uh, through to Sunday. That will be uh, along with uh, the the release sometime during the weekend. So lately it's been going on like that, uh, but we were always starting our events with a weekend date, like Saturday and Sunday. But from now on, it's going to be starting on uh, Mondays. But let me talk about two other things. Um, one event is that Edson Ernst wrote about in his blog. And it's a very promising event happening in Vienna. Not just yet, but it's it's good to know it in advance. Uh, so it's in, in Austria between the 17th and the 19th of November. Do you know what it is? It's mm-hmm. the European Congress for Homeopathy. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm. So reading through the program, it really looks like a lot of fun for anyone with a sense of humor. But But on a more serious look... It is somewhat worrying as well. So it would be nice to have a bunch of skeptics in the audience, partly to represent critical thinking, partly to um, provide some valuable information as to what's going on there. Mm. I mean, provide it to other skeptics around uh, Europe. So we'll provide you with the link to the event among the show notes. and, And please, if you plan to go and attend, let us know. And when you're back... We would love to hear what you've experienced there. Absolutely, yeah. And you know what the best part is? Is that they call their sessions scientific sessions. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? I don't think that (laughs) word means what you think it means. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But let me use this opportunity to promote yet another event. So it it is a joint effort. uh, I mean, the initiation of this uh, event of the Czech and Slovakian skeptics. And it is going to be an event to keep an eye out for. Um, it's it's still a bit further down in the end of October, but what they started is organizing yet another homeopathic overdose, along with a campaign built around it. And there seems to be a genuine international interest in in jumping on the bandwagon. So, yeah, why not go through with it once again? Five years after the large-scale international challenge that was initiated and coordinated by the Merseyside skeptics, I believe there is a lot to talk about. Homeopathy is still thriving in many places around Europe and public interest doesn't seem to be dying out. So why not do it? Uh, I think it really does uh, make sense to to rerun a campaign like that. Uh, There are negotiations already in place among several European skeptical organizations regarding the coordination of such an effort. But if if any of our listeners feel like joining in, please find either your national group or contact us directly and we'll keep you informed about what's going on in your country and around your area. Let's try to, do, to, to make this um, a big event, an international one or at least a Europe-wide one. I think that's, that's, that's all um, in terms of events to talk about. But we have a lot, a lot of other things to to mention during the show. But those belong to a different segment. So thank you very much, guys. Let's go on to discussing what's hot in Europe. 
I would like to talk about a, a research that was recently done in University College Dublin, uh, where 489 people were participated in, um, and they were um, asked to rank certain topics, uh, like po football, politics, science, etc., like that, and asked different questions. Um, and it turned out that the results showed that if someone was interested in a topic, this increased the, the frequency of the accurate memories relating to the topic. And uh, one of the things that were asked in the research, um, they were presented with the real events that happened, that, to, that were to do with the football science, etc., and also a made-up event that never happened, but they were passed uh, along, a bit like our false on true segment. Mm -hmm. um, and it turned out that people who were um, uh, had a good knowledge of the subject, they obviously had uh, a better memory of the real events that happened. But it also increased the number of false memories too. So 25% of people experienced false memory in relation to an interesting top, uh, uh, topic compared with 10% uh, in relation to less interesting topics. So um, they have recognized the events that actually happened, but also decided that some of the false, I'd call them false events, also happened. So they, they kind of remembered seeing them or reading about them. It's, it's a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, so the lead author, Dr. Ciara Green, a lecturer in the School uh, of Psychology, said that increasing scientific and public understanding of the causes of false memory is an important goal, mm. uh, practically in light of some of the more negative consequences associated with the phenomenon, including faulty eyewitness accounts and the controversies surrounding false memories of traumatic childhood events. Um, so they're hoping that promoting the knowledge about the false memory may provide some uh, inoculation against the harmful effects. And indeed, we're um, starting to learn more and more about false memories. I'm sure there's uh, uh, some books out there um, on the subject. Um, but it's very counterintuitive that actually people who are uh, experts in their field do generate more of those false memories. So that's what I found quite fascinating mm. about the uh, the research on the subject. Mm. It, it's sort of a reversed Dunning-Kruger effect, isn't it? Because you are an expert in a subject, yeah. but that you sh but that means you also have false memory about this the subject. So you still can't uh, be really trusted, or you can even trust you can't even trust your own memory. So no, and I think I think it reinforces what we all kind of know and hear about now and again um never trust your eyesight never trust your memory never trust your brain never trust your hearing it's like it's really weird we we think that our brain uh, is infallible and doesn't make mistakes but actually it's um the opposite yeah and i guess on a day-to-day -day basis we have to trust uh, that our brain will get us through our lives but actually it makes so many mistakes along the way um, and it's always good to bear in mind mm. that, yeah, yeah, it's it's very much uh, faulty. Be skeptical. <laughs> uh, it's um, Steve Novella uh, who said uh, that, and I l love that quote from him. When someone looks at me and earnestly says, "I know what I saw," I'm fond of replying, "No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you, you have don't. a distorted and constructed memory of a distorted and constructed perception, yeah, yeah. both of which are subservient to whatever narrative your brain is operating under. That's that's right. That's the gist of it. And how many people believe that they their brain records 
the event that they saw, like a, like a tape, like a videotape. But that's yep. not how it happens. That's not how it happens at all. Um, so when we trying to go back in, in our mind, back to our childhood or, or whatever it is, and yep. we say, I remember being in this room and seeing this and the other, that never happened because our brain doesn't work like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, too bad no one else remembers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you've got video evidence. Video evidence yeah. are the best kind of evidence, you know, recorded video of your childhood whatever yeah and the other thing is that that uh the the more often you tell a story the more it changes yeah the more distorted it gets because absolutely absolutely yeah but you don't even realize it chip this part that part off and 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 you shape the story in a way that it's easier to to tell and it's it's something that i've come across many many times as a tour guide because sometimes from time to time i do have to check my resources because I've told the story so many times. <laughs> so you're starting to make things up. <laughs> yeah, I have to be sure that I'm not actually making things up. And actually, in this profession, making things up is, in most of the cases, part of the part of the, the story. And I, I've, I've been struggling that for eight years because I don't want to make sh- shit up. I want to give information. <laughs> But you have to be well prepared. And this is why people don't understand why I keep preparing all the time, even even when I, I travel and take, take grips to places where I've been a million times. Mm. Because I don't, I'm not sure I remember well. <laughs> so I have to yeah. cons- constantly check the resources and, and the sources of, of the information. So that's... I'm, I'm sure you probably remember from your childhood playing the broken telephone where you sit in line with your friends yeah. and then one of them, one of you starts and then you sort of whisper something in, in another person's ear and then it goes down the line. Yeah. And what comes out on the other end is nothing to do with the original phrase. And it's, um, I think this is kind of like our brain work, mm-hmm. but even worse. <laughs> But I think the, the 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 most important part is to be aware of that. That's exactly right. And that kind of self-reflection that I do know that my brain will make fun of me <laughs> and make me think and do weird stuff. Uh, th- that is something that you have to be aware of in order to to try to avoid the mistakes. And this is this is where science comes in, because science is a similar kind of tool that you try to distance yourself from your own perceptions. You try to be as objective as possible with measurements and trying to put it outside of your own perception and and make it real. And one of the reasons why we need science and the scientific inquiry and methods and questioning things is this very thing, this this very distortion of our own memories and our perceptions. It's amazing. And this is this is how our brain evolved, so it actually makes sense to do it in most of the cases. But in modern life with with the modern challenges, it makes a difference. It actually hinders development in a way. Okay, yeah. I love brains and I fucking love science. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I, I wanted to mention a few things regarding the activities of uh, ARP, SAPC. Uh, that's one of the Spanish skeptical organizations, uh, a member organization of EXO. Um, first of all, we 
already mentioned episode 44 of El Esceptico, which is the periodical of uh, this organization. But now it's online, fully available. You can read it as long as you read Spanish, of course. Google Translate is your friend. Yeah, it is your friend, yeah. The other thing is that the organization is still promoting their research grant for the publication of original research into any pseudoscientific field. And also in Spain, not closely linked to the organization, is a recently launched website that is very similar to the uh, to Tim Farley's whatstheharm.net that many of us are familiar with. Uh, it's It's a good collection of what the real problem is with uh, spreading pseudoscientific nonsense and especially uh, quackery. Um, only that it's in Spanish. So check it out. It's going to be on the show notes, of course, along with the show. And we have some disturbing news, I would say, from, from Sweden. It turns out that uh, a lot of Swedish public schools uh, regularly have hired uh, speakers from a organization called Drogfrit, which roughly is translated to No Drugs, uh, to speak in the public schools. Uh, the problem is that this is an organization which is very clearly uh, connected to Scientology through uh, the organization called Narconon, which is an international uh, organization. Uh, and they uh, tend to talk about uh, drugs and addiction in a very unscientific way. And they are basically promoting the Scientolo Scientological uh, way of thinking. So there are 65 uh, Swedish communes out of a total of 290 who have, have uh, hired uh, people from this organization to talk in the schools. And the, the, the target group is uh, eight grades and nine grades. So this is people... Uh, pupils in in the age 14 15 uh, but fortunately this has now been highlighted it's been criticized criticized by uh, by internal school inspectors and one associate professor at the university of malmo uh, because their uh, information is very misleading and factually incorrect hmm. so hopefully this will put an end to that now do you do you have an estimate as to how many students were exposed well, to to that thing? Well, there is one representative that they have talked to and was interviewed in 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 uh, in a paper, and he claimed to do two hundred and fifty to three hundred lectures per year in Swedish public schools, which sounds oh. actually not credible because I don't think there are that many school days in a year. But that person has been very, very active for several years, uh, has delivered at least, you know, hundreds and hundreds of lectures. And the school class is about, well, between 25 and 30 pupils. Mm. Would be interesting to, to, to know how they actually got in there in the first place. Well, they, they did interview a few of the principals of the schools and they said, well, we had no idea that this uh, organization was affiliated with the scientists the Scientology Church, and we just thought it sounded good, you know. Oh. Who doesn't want to get rid of drugs? But, you know, <laughs> mm. 
have to do your research a little bit better, I think, before you hire speakers. Yeah, especially at a school. Because if it's just a, a cultural center in the middle of nowhere, mm. it's okay. But at a school, it's mm. a different thing. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, I I hope they finally get rid of them. It seems like it now, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, guys, does the name Hama ring a bell? Not the car. It's the, <laughs> the German guy. No, not really. Please enlighten us. Uh, Rike Giel Hammer. He used to be a, a German physician until his license was revoked mm-hmm. following several instances of malpractice. And uh, he's the inventor of the popular pseudomedicine called New Germanic Medicine. Wow. Now that, that rings a bell? Mm, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. He's been charged and convicted in several European countries. He's a massive conspiracy theorist and many other things could be told about him. But, uh, of course, I don't intend to apply an ad hominem approach here. So uh, let's see what happened with yet another follower of his method. Well, I actually came across this on Adzadernsch's blog, but then found the story, which is terribly, a terribly sad one, on, um, on different other news outlets, mostly Italian ones. Even the Austrian Der Standard uh, wrote about it as uh, one of the most famous cases of Hama. The Olivia case, uh, as as it is referred to uh, very often, happened in the country back in 1995. That wasn't tragic in the end, but could have been. So what happened now is that there was an Italian family from Padova with a young girl named Eleonora Bottaro, aged a bit less than 18 and suffering from leukemia. Now, I don't know I can find the specific type of leukemia that we are talking about. Um, but according to a professor of immunology named Roberto Burioni, at the time of diagnosis earlier this year, no, it was actually last year, she would have had an 80 to 90% chance of survival had she gone through with chemotherapy. Hmm. Because that is the most effective method in treatment of different types of leukemia. And it's mentioned quite often about leukemia that that chemotherapy uh, can provide a very good treatment in the long run. So what happened? Even though the doctors recommended a, a chemotherapy, of course, because because of it being effective in most of the cases, she was still a minor. So her parents had to make a decision, and this they decided to opt out and took her to a Swiss clinic where the methods of Hama were applied, and thus she ended up being treated with cortisone and vitamin C. Now, cortisone is a hormone, and it is used as painkillers and uh, even immunosuppressant. So it's not necessarily the best thing to give to a sick child. Let's try to understand what happened. Obviously, when a young girl falls ill, the parents want to know the reason, right? And they believe to have found it when, uh, according to Hammer's techniques uh, and teachings, a psychological trauma is the primary cause of a serious illness. Wow. Now, what the psychological trauma was is that poor Eleonora had lost her 22-year-old uh, brother to a stroke back in 2013, and this seems uh, seemed 
to the parents to be the obvious reason for their daughter to have fallen ill, right? Yeah. Long story short, uh, they took her to the Swiss clinic in uh, Bellinzona, despite the recommendations of doctors to undergo th- uh, chemotherapy. There was a legal battle as well over custody, as uh, the girl was not yet 18 then. And uh, authorities uh, felt that it was not responsible uh, a responsible attitude from the parent's side to to opt out of chemotherapy. But in the end, she turned 18 and she could make a decision for herself. And she decided to go through with the alternative treatment. As a result, she died of leukemia in the middle of August 2016. Hmm. Terrible. Now, several doctors and even authorities are calling for immediate action against the parents, and they point out the necessity of clarifying the legal environment as well as raising awareness about the dangers of choosing phony therapies like like the one proposed by Hama over proven treatments like chemotherapy for the treatment of leukemia. And, And to close the story, I... I have to say it's already too late for Eleonora. Hmm. Of course, she's she's dead. But with some effort, we might be able to stop similar tragedies from happening. And this is a must. This is something that we have to do. And the treatments like... <laughs> and vitamin C, it was only given to her at the, the last mm. last couple of weeks. Yeah, wouldn't help anyway. Uh, but even... That wouldn't, wouldn't have helped anyway. So it, it was... Still, it's such a tragedy. You know, you say, you said they're going after the parents, but shouldn't they go after the clinic? Well, actually, it wasn't the clinic's decision. Oh, sorry, I thought you said they went to a clinic. Uh, that they practiced. went to a clinic. They went to a clinic. And yeah. a clinic, um, as far as I know, I, I didn't go into that uh, side of the, their side of, of, of the story. Ah, okay. But, um, well how mostly Hammer have been convicted many times and this was a clinic uh, following his method yeah that's the one i mean now they, they should go after that clinic and 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 and, and try to stop yeah them. and they probably will but i i do believe that a clinic is offering a certain treatment even though it's a phony treatment but there is a treatment offered I don't even know if they asked whether they they opted out of uh, chemotherapy and used it as a used this treatment as um, a complementary treatment hmm. or 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 an alternative because uh, I'm pretty sure that if that's if they will be questioned about this, this is going to be their argument hmm. that it was not their decision to make. They were approached by the patient, and they did their best. I'm pretty sure this this is going to be their answer. Hmm. Not good enough. And this is outrageous. This is outrageous. Sure. It's not no. good enough. Of course, you're right. It's not good enough. Uh, it shouldn't be happening. And uh, it's an absolutely bogus treatment. It's just uh, something that has to be taken care of hmm. by authorities. And notice, uh, Hammer is originally from Germany. And he's been convicted in many different countries across Europe. And this family went from Italy to Switzerland to do the treatment. So this is a truly international problem. Hmm. 
Yeah, this is sure. something that, that has international aspects and it has to be dealt with as such. There is another thing that we we need to unite over. I mean, European skeptics and mm. and try to talk to politicians in our countries and on a European level because this is something that has to be uh, legally controlled. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> kill the party. It's just... Mm-hmm. Very sad. Yeah, it is. All right. For the for the next uh, news item, we go to Norway, uh, where the Church of uh, Norway uh, has uh, uh, created a website which makes it much easier to deregister from the from the from the church, and they might uh, regret that now because they have lost more than twenty five thousand members in just uh, uh, <laughs> about a month's time. So you can go, just go there and basically click. I want, don't want to go in there. So, um, so I think they would, uh, yeah, think twice again before they do something like that. But now the website is there. Uh, it's easy to, to opt out. Uh, so you can compare that 25,000 in just a month. In, if you go back the, the last couple, oh, well, four years, the average is that about 12,000 people have left the church per year. And now they've lost 25,000 people in, in a just month. a month. So, yeah, okay. So, But it, it goes to show, I think, that th- this concept that we used to have in Sweden as well, that as soon as you're born, unless you specifically say not so, the baby is being registered into the national church, and that's how it's okay. always been, and that's where you belong. Uh, uh, that's no longer something that, that should happen uh, and uh, but still, the Norwegian uh, National Church still has uh, 3.7 million uh, members out of a population of five million. So, a lot more than than half is is uh, it's like two thirds are are part of of this of this uh, National Church. But now they are leaving. If this rate of leaving keeps up, then then it's not going to be like that for for much longer. <laughs> no, no, no. I think so. I think so. Good, but yeah. I I bet the original idea was uh, to to make it easier for everyone to opt in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea. Uh, it's it's a classic. They shot themselves on the foot. Absolutely fantastic! Mm-hmm. Wow. A little bit of fun. Uh, is how how does that work in Norway? Is the the head of state is the head of church? No, no, he is like not. in the Church of England. No. Uh, well, at least I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But it is the official uh, church of Norway. So so Norway is officially uh, a Lutheran country. Uh, I don't think he is the head of uh, head of the church. But if it it's you know even in Sweden we we don't really have. Uh, a national church anymore well it's still there but it's formally separated from the state we still have the rule that the 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 monarch has to be uh, a protestant uh, christian he has to yeah. be that that's in the in the... he he gave a very nice speech yes he did he did just a hokon yes yeah two or right. three days ago he did yeah yeah, yeah. so he's probably a good guy yeah so let's see what's happening in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> I want to cover a topic of a mysterious billboards that were put up um, around the country 
during the summer. You're not talking about Brexit ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> They are mysterious, all right. <laughs> yeah. These are the billboards that read legal name fraud, then in big letters, the truth. And then at the bottom, it's illegal to use a legal name. Huh? And the journalist uh, from BBC decided to get to the bottom of it and because he was confused by what the hell that actually means. Does that mean that uh, we can't use our legal name because it's illegal? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so uh, actually really reading the story, I re I've realized I've seen this billboard in Halifax before I moved to London. I used to live in Yorkshire. And it was just uh, on the way to home a few, few meters before I turned to my street. I saw that billboard myself, actually. It didn't make any sense, so I kind of dismissed it. I didn't, I didn't really care much of who wants to claim what. It just If it doesn't make sense, don't pay attention. It's like, you know, who cares? But apparently there were some complaints made to the agency that displayed this, this billboard because people were confused. And they were saying, well... Am I committing some sort of a fraud without knowing it? And of course, those were the people who are like uh, law-abiding citizens. They want to live by the rule of the law and whatever else. But on further investigation, um, it turned out to be just complete nutter nonsense. Uh, the journalist couldn't get to the bottom of it. Um, the agency that advertised uh, this billboard couldn't give out the information of the uh, buyer because it was a, a, a confidential And um, he's referencing few uh, articles written by lawyers, um, English lawyers, that saying, don't worry, people, you're fine, you're not breaking any laws, uh, it, this claim doesn't have any merit, and let's just carry on, <laughs> you know, with our lives and, and ignore it, which is what I did initially. So there is something about when your parents register your birth uh, on the certificate, um, apparently they unknowingly gave the Crown Corporation, i.e. the Queen, I'm assuming, ownership of your name. Simply thus, all legal names are owned by the Crown, and therefore using legal name without their written permission is fraud. But that's, um, this interpretation is not right. Legally, it doesn't stand the ground. So um, <laughs> fear not. If anybody saw those billboards, I think they've been taken down, actually. Someone paid for them. <laughs> yeah, you you are not committing any fraud. But um, it's just one of those, you know, it was probably <laughs> slow news day on BBC as well. Um, it's one of those things that um, that just need to be routinely dismissed. <laughs> yeah, but it's... It, <laughs> It's it's part of this m sort of movement that's coming up of free man of the land and and pseudo law things that people I remember that uh, Marit Simonsen when we talked with her talked about this mm. uh you know about if you don't accept if you don't sign the contract in quotation marks with the country and with the 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 queen in this case yeah you're not bound to to the to to the laws of the land you 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 have not uh, you know accepted it so you you're exempt i think it's it's parallel to this it's it's the same kind of thinking yeah yeah it doesn't stand um in no court, it's though, pure nonsense it, of course yeah yeah just came to think about this because i listened to another podcast called radio lab which is pretty famous and pretty and very good i should say they recently mm -hmm. had a a story called The Invisible Girl. 
and it was about mm-hmm. a, an American uh, uh, girl who who grew up with her parents in on the in the countryside, and they uh, refused to have anything to do with the authorities. So it was a home birth. She had nine or ten siblings, and all uh, not registered. So. Uh, there was no social security number, no nothing. They didn't seek medical help or, or anything. So when she grew up and became of age, you know, uh, uh, she wanted to, uh, you know, get a driver's license, maybe go to university or anything. But she couldn't because she was a nobody. There was no record of her being born at all. Really fascinating uh, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do recommend listen to to Radio Labs. Uh, uh, I think it was the latest episode, or uh, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, it's very interesting. Do you think that p- p- this is how government punishes people who try to escape the system and live off the grid? Like you can't. Well, if you don't want to participate in whole, you know, no, in the whole system. No, I don't think can't. so. I, I just think mm-hmm. that the system is not prepared to take care. To, they don't know what to do. If you, if there's a person saying, "I coming to you uh, to the authorities, say I'd like to to get a driver's license," and they say, "Well, okay, we need your your social security number. We need to know. We need to have a birth certificate, maybe, or something like that." And you can't produce that. And they say, "Well, I'm sorry, we don't know what to do about that because it says here in our." We, we need to register these things, otherwise you can't do it. So I think it's just. Uh, I don't think it's malice from the from the government side or from the from the official side it's just that they're not prepared to deal with that you have to have a number otherwise you don't exist and you know that's a bit of a challenge when it comes to registering refugees yeah yeah exactly when you come and you have no papers because many of those people don't have any kind of paper whatsoever no documents yeah and we have that discussion a lot in sweden when immigrants coming to Sweden uh, uh, over the last couple of years uh, and some of them coming alone without their parents and uh, yeah. they claim to be underage and uh, and then then certain rules apply and if they're not underage other rules apply and then the Swedish authorities uh, are saying basically to these children saying prove to us that you are not 18 and how can they do that they don't have any papers yeah so it's really really hard yeah, and the other thing is that uh, there are national security issues as well uh, with different countries where people are coming in with no identification whatsoever. And exactly. uh, you, yeah, so yeah. you don't know how to track them actually, yeah. which is uh, which is something that I do understand about in terms of the worries of these refugee crises. Mm. Uh, but it's oh, so, there is such a hype over it. Oh, the the other thing about a Hungarian government, have I told you about that? 30 million euros worth of billboard campaign. Now that we're mentioning billboards. Mm-hmm. Um, against immigrants and against the immigration. And uh, uh, we are holding a referendum. Yeah, because that's uh, how you solve a, 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 a crisis, is that you just put a lot of money into billboards. Fantastic. Yeah. Money into billboards and actually try to tune the the public opinion towards rejecting refugees. Oh, beautiful. 
and the idea of ret- refugees, yes. Mm. So that that person who's who's running the country as a prime minister here is a fucking moron. Mm. He's he's a disgusting son of a bitch. Um, All but right. yeah, that's that's Hungary for you in two thousand sixteen. Mm. But <laughs> uh, there is there is another guy here in in the country. I I want to tell you about. His name is Norby. He's a fitness guru with a million followers, actually, hmm. on Facebook, which is in a country of 10 million people, not even that, it's a huge follower base. I think we can establish that. Yeah, yeah. So he's the best known and most widely recognized fitness guru in Hungary, that's for sure. And he got himself into a bit of a trouble lately. Um, he, he's been known for helping people lose weight for quite some time. And um, his recognition and his wealth uh, has has grown a lot in recent years. Uh, but with that, he seems to shift very much towards somewhat pseudoscientific areas. No shit. So, no <laughs> shit. Yeah. He's, he's, he's shifting towards them. And... Uh, when about 10 years ago he started to do his big business into new and scientific sounding diets he was frowned upon a bit by many but it was still kind of okay but the thing is in recent years he's grown too big with too big an ego as well and he doesn't really like criticism he has uh, i've told you he has a million facebook followers and from time to time he writes shares or reshares some posts about things that he finds interesting but in my opinion mostly it's interesting but it's profitable for him that's what counts um that he can build on it he build build can build his business on it this is what happened when he recently shared an article from one of the stupidest news portals in hungary called repost.hu uh, mm. they basically repost everything without even bothering to check the sources <laughs> so, uh-huh. so they that it's just a collection of bullshit is it like your average facebook user i would say but okay oh yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know when when it comes to a million followers you have certain responsibilities right yeah, or sure. at least you would expect that to to be the case yeah so this boasts about eating lemon and sodium carbonate in order to keep you from or getting cured of cancer, mm. was one of these these uh, posts that he sh- he actually shared. Yeah, it even went the post itself went as far as stating this is a cure much stronger than chemotherapy and other treatments known to medicine today. Mm. But it well, was known to him, though. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, our dear Norby casually went on sharing this with a nice recommendation for considering its contents with a million people. And he ended up being criticized for it by a doctor uh, whose recent activities were into educating the public about uh, widespread beliefs and pseudoscientific ideas in medicine. And a university lecturer who actually knows a thing or two about nutrition and... uh, food chemistry so uh, he was criticized by by these two people and then all the other news outlets actually jumped on him 
based on the the open letters written by these two people. So he got furious <laughs> and it became a long-lasting line of punches back and forth. And uh now uh this is this is this is how we are going to uh discuss this next week at uh, our skeptics in the pub event. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> that uh how how it unfolded and uh i'm currently writing up um a, f- a post for the hungarian skeptic society's uh blog about about the dangers of this because when you put it in perspective and when you put it uh, when you start considering that he was actually promoting eating lemon and sodium bicarbonate uh <laughs> To cure cancer. And you compare it to the former news item that I covered with Homer and the poor Italian girl who died of leukemia because of choosing an alternative treatment like that instead of chemotherapy. Then the question of responsibility really comes up. Actually, it's kind of funny how how Norby went on uh, this rant about how these people want to use his fame um, to to gain their own fame, and as, as well, I, I, it was silly. It was fun to to listen to, but when you think about it, that's not that much fun. No, that's right. All right. So thank you very much for bearing with me, guys. Uh, with all this depression I, I brought onto you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. um, so why don't we move on to something a bit more fun and interesting? For example, talking about logical fallacies. Today I want to talk about moving the goalposts uh, logical fallacy, also known as gravity game, raising the bar, argument by demanding in possible perfection and it's a when demanding from an opponent that he or she address more and more points after the initial counter argument has been satisfied refusing to concede it or accept the opponent's argument and we probably all found ourselves in this situation more than once before um I think the most obvious example that I would like to use to describe this fallacy uh, is the argument of the existence of God. And due to our understanding of nature through science, many of the arguments that used to be used for uh, God or gods were now abandoned, only to be replaced with new ones, usually involving questions to which science has uh, currently uh, no definitive answers just yet. Mm. So um, the move from creationism to intelligent design is a prime example. And currently, the origins of life is a popular argument for God, um, and uh, an area where we very well may have a scientific answer uh, in the next decade, um, at which uh time the origin of life argument will fade away and be replaced by another thus moving the figurative goalpost further back as our understanding of the natural world increases so um i quite like that fallacy because um <laughs> it's yeah. it's a good one to spot 
Yeah, because as as science advances, it keeps the the other side keeps moving the goalposts, right? Yeah, it's 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 really like that. It's and, like yeah. um, the other thing. Uh, imagine Randy and his team with the paranormal challenge. Mm. How many people have done that? Yeah, that that trying to okay whenever they test it and in control the environment and perform poorly they tend to come up with explanations as to why this is not the right way to test their abilities right so yes i am a psychic but but i cannot operate under these conditions yeah there's always yeah, like a bad, bad energy or something is not right <laughs> yeah good <laughs> thank you okay let's move on to the report that a certain Mr. Andras Pinte recorded at an event in Budapest, Hungary, back in the middle of August, that was Siget Festival. Andras here from Budapest. We are uh, at Siget Festival, which is one of the largest festivals, uh, youth festivals uh, in Europe. And... Uh, I'm sitting here with uh, someone from Slovenia who ended up in the tent of the Hungarian Skeptic Society, where we are sitting now. Um, I believe um, I remember your name being Samo. Yeah. That's okay. Um, welcome. Thank you. What brings you to Hungary? What brings brings you to Siget? Well, the festival itself this time. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend wanted to go for a long time, and mm -hmm. we decided to come. Okay. And to see how it is. And how, how do you like it so far? Uh, when did you arrive? Uh, on Thursday. On Thursday. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what was it that uh, your your girlfriend wanted to to come here for? The the music or the the f the, the feel of the festival? The I would say the both. Vibe. Uh, the vibe. Mm -hmm. The event itself, but the music as well, of course. Okay. And whereabouts in Slovenia are you from? Uh, we are from a uh, small region, Prekmuria. Uh, okay. I'm from Murska Mur Sobota. She's oh, yeah? from uh, okay. Landava. Okay. So it's very close to the Hungarian border. Yeah, she she's actually half Hungarian. I mean, not half. She is actually Hungarian. So she, she does speak Hungarian? Yeah. Okay, I haven't realized that. Well, okay. Um, and how did you end up here in uh, the tent of the Hungarian Skeptic Society? Well, I think it's, it's me, myself, being a skeptic as well, so I just stopped by and checked it out. Okay. How, how, how long have you known that you, you were a skeptic? Uh, well, I would say somewhere between when I started studying pharmacy. Well, you were a my, pharmacist? Yeah, I'm a pharmacist. Okay. And I, it was probably between third and fourth year when I kind of dig into it and start exploring the subject a bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, actually, what, what you did here is uh, you you filled in uh, a test uh, about GMO and homeopathy. Yes, that's and true. And you did quite well. So how did you like a test? Yeah, it, it was more it was more difficult than I expected. But you seem to know quite a, quite a bit about homeopathy. Uh, do you actually sell homeopathy as a pharmacist? Uh, you can if if your uh, pharmacy allows it to, or have have them in their um, in stock. Yeah, in stock. Let's say it this way. But you can opt not to. So okay, it's so you're not obliged to to do it. No, you're not obliged to do it. No. Okay. You usually, I think the the pharmacy stores that have uh, homeopathy to sell, 
they usually have someone let's say educated in the subject okay and uh, is there any kind of movement um, against the the spreading of homeopathy in uh, Slovenia we don't know much about Slovenian skeptics yeah me neither okay <laughs> but uh, they are against it as, as far as I know but I don't know how efficient they are or anything at the moment actually we, we've been having the opposition was quite was quite strong uh, inside of the medical community till I think last year mm-hmm. uh, until this time uh, as a physician you actually could lose your license if you prescribed uh, homeopathy wow yes and But that changed this, that changed yeah so <laughs> yeah I think we've been one of the last countries in Europe having oh. uh, that kind of stance against it. So the, the last fortress has fallen as well. Yeah, but if we look at UK, I think they're again pushing homeopathy out. Yeah, you, you've heard of the Good Thinking Society? Um, um, they are behind, they are the force behind them. Okay, that, okay, that thank kind you. Of change I, I didn't know. That is, uh, I just heard about the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you listen to any podcasts? Uh, I did listen to Startup from Neil deGrasse Tyson a couple of times. Okay. Uh, as I'm a big uh, I have a, quite a big interest in space and everything related okay so yeah that was one of the main what about skeptical podcasts uh, maybe did a couple of them from scientific uh, sorry uh, skeptics guide of the universe skeptics guide yeah yeah but that's about it have I, you I ever heard about read more than, than uh, oh, yeah. here have you ever heard about the, the Listen, European sorry. skeptics podcast uh, no nope Well, I do recommend you, you you listen to it, especially because you might end up being on this, the, the actual show. So uh, <laughs> if you give me your email address, I'm going to send you a link uh, whenever it's on, if you agree to to, to to be broadcast. Okay, sounds great. All right. Um, thanks very much. I told you I was uh, stealing only five minutes of your time because it's very precious, your time around here. So uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, thanks very much and thanks for dropping by. Yeah, thank you. It was an honor having an interview with you. Thank you. Sema, um, from Slovenia? Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we are here at uh, Sigurd Festival. <laughs> and I have here with me Caroline from the UK. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, first of all, what brings you to this country and to Sigurd? Um, the, par- the festival, the party. The party. You festival, love partying. Um, a lot. Everyone here loves the party. Okay. Actually, I came here earlier in the winter and I had so much fun. And then we heard about this festival, so we were like, we need to get on that. And we've ended up got a group of like 20 of us from all around the world. Just oh, cool. So the others are now waiting for you to to finish this interview. I'm I'm hoping they're still at the Coliseum. Otherwise, I have lost them forever. <laughs> and it's all your fault. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we try not to hold, hold you back from them, uh, it's too long. But, uh, how did you end up in the tent of the Hungarian Skeptic Society? Well, I, I bought some very stylish shorts, and the zip broke, and then I happened to <laughs> meet Daniel here, and I asked him if there was a... Daniel? Zip? <coughs> I, I asked him if he had any safety pins. Mm. And he said he did, so I came here and I fixed my shorts and then I got speaking to you, Andres, about the ridiculousness of homeopathy. And, and then we it. ended up finding some connections. Yes. 
would you like uh, mentioning? Uh, would okay, you like to mention so what, what those connections are? A few years ago, I volunteered for Sense About Science. Sense About Science, you must be kidding me. Wonderful, wonderful trust, doing really great work, promoting sort of evidence, all trials, liable, and you're, Andres, you're into them, you're, you know them. I, abs- I am absolutely into them, so I'm, I really love their work, and... Uh, yeah, I admire what they're doing. So I, I envy you a bit that, that you had so an awesome close experience. a connection to them. Uh, cool. And uh, what do you do? I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm just travelling. I'm kind of starting a business online. Good for you. And my goal is just to travel and work online. And what's your background? My background, I did a degree in Masters in Biomedical Science. I was thinking about science communications, which kind of ties what I'm doing, hoping to do. Hence, sense about science. I worked in a hospital, and then I worked in IT sales. Mm, all right. And when you came out, came, came to our tent, um, you your choice of test was the one with homeopathy. homeopathy. Uh, what's your connection to your homeopathy? Um, I'll be honest. Do you know? I didn't actually know much about what it was. I thought it was just like herbal medicine. Okay. And then I, when I did sort of volunteer work with Sense About Science, I learned that actually. It was all about using some sort of ingredient that caused the pain or whatever you had, diluting it lots, and then giving it to someone. Yeah. And somehow that water would then know what to do, which doesn't make sense on so many levels. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I was kind of outraged because the more I knew about it, the real, more I realised people were kind of being duped. That's uh, I absolutely agreed. But uh, how do you, how did you feel when uh, you were first uh, first asked to? to do a test uh, with us um, test your knowledge about uh, homeopathy I kind of misunderstood the situation I thought you guys were like promoting homeopathy and I was like this is going to be <laughs> really awkward homeopathy. I thought this is going to be really awkward <laughs> okay uh, did you actually see that it was a skeptic society no no okay. I was like where are the safety kits ah uh, okay yeah yeah so we were just lucky uh, good then uh, well I, I I wish you all the success with uh, your your new business and I wish you have a wonderful time here how long are you staying? I've got until Sunday until Sunday it's all, only two days left right? yeah well, and today today's only beginning oh yeah Hi, that's, that's right <laughs> okay uh, thank you very much and uh, thanks for doing this interview with me oh, that's okay cool. take care bye-bye bye This was my report from SIGAT Festival 2016 from Budapest. And now let's move on to discussing who's been really wrong lately in Europe. Uh, Today we're going to talk about an incident that highlights how fucked up, sorry, the Russian blasphemy laws are. So this is about a Russian YouTuber who has about 300,000 subscribers and his name is Ruslan Sokolovsky. Is that okay, Zelena? Yeah, it's pretty close. Ruslan Sokolovsky, yeah. Yeah, sure. He is uh, 21 years old and he has gotten himself in trouble after filming himself playing Pokemon Go in a church in Yekaterinburg. Is that is that okay? Yekaterinburg. Yekaterinburg. He had heard warnings about uh, it being forbidden to to play Pokemon Go inside a church, but he felt that was crazy. So he 
and he has previously spoken out against the church uh, on his YouTube channel. So he posted a film that shows him very calmly, first outside the church, declaring what he's about to do, and then it shows him walking silently into the church, catching some Pokemons in there. Uh, you can hear some prayers in the background. Uh, but it's clear that he's not disturbing anyone. He's just walking around looking at his, his at his phone. Uh, but he does note that somebody must have done this before him because there's actually Pokejim in the church. So that's funny. <laughs> uh, then he goes outside uh, after the whole thing is over and saying, well, this was quite harmless. I didn't disturb anyone. Uh, although he did regret that he didn't catch the rarest Pokemon of them all in there. Uh, and according to him, that Pokemon is called <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus was not at home. <laughs> he couldn't catch him. That's fine. So he didn't really disturb anybody. But then he posted this online. And after the video was released, he has now been arrested in accordance with the blasphemy laws uh, and these are the same set of laws, yeah. or, or one law, I don't know, that well, convicted... I, yeah. And this is the same laws that convicted the members of Pussy Riot two years ago, uh, that when they had to go to prison for a couple of, uh, for two years, yeah, a couple of years ago. And if he is convicted now, he could face up to five years in jail. It's ridiculous. So, so Jelena, I understand you know a little bit more about the, this law. So, yes, I have actually looked up the original article in Russian, and in that article they're referring to a criminal code, um, a two parts of criminal code that talks about this law. And it's the translation basically word for word is inciting hatred or hostility and humiliation of human dignity. That's one part. And then the other one is violation of the right hmm. to freedom of conscience and religion committed in place in places specifically designed for worship and other religious uh, rites and ceremonies. So if you convict, if you uh, breached any of those two uh, parts of the criminal code, then you can be convicted. It's quite easy to breach them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I didn't realize that it's, that's... Yeah. extremely easy. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But I don't think they have a case because he didn't actually disturb anybody in the place where he was. I mean, if anybody is offended, it's by looking at his YouTube channel. And that is not a place of worship. So, so uh, you know... Nobody, when he was there, he didn't disturb anybody. Yeah. So this is really. Yeah, I don't see. I don't think he incited hatred or hostility or violated the right to freedom of uh, conscience and religion because nobody even knew he was there. Exactly. When they were praying. Exactly. So it doesn't. Yeah. But they obviously want to make a big ado about nothing. Um, good old Russia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, five years in jail—that would be something. And we'll see if his his lawyer comes up with the same idea as you did. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer, yeah. but I think it's ridiculous. And I don't—I I do think I do agree that if people are trying to worship whatever god they believe in, you shouldn't harass them while they're doing it. That's one thing, and I do agree with that. 
but they are really using this law to do uh, well in extreme uh, and and doing things that has nothing to do with that and you know this is this is kind of the worry uh with the new developments of that uh, authority mm. for the defense of christianity in hungary yeah that uh, they they might end up uh in similar cases mm. with uh, with people just criticizing silently criticizing from the background um and they could easily end up being sued or being arrested or who knows mm. so i i don't want to be the the pessimist here but we've seen a few things and we are kind of marching towards the towards a similar system to that of the russians yeah, yeah that's not bad oh, it's not good i mean <laughs> it's yeah. not good it's, it is not it <laughs> is not all right his uh, Put- putin's russia has been set as an example yeah and even declared to be one of them <laughs> yeah exactly so to conclude uh for having and also practicing these medieval blasphemy laws russia gets today's prize for being really wrong thank you well deserved i hope we we, we won't get in trouble because of that we'll see mm-hmm. it'll turn out soon uh well i have an announcement to make because nominations for the golden brett which is um a kind of a similar similar prize um given out by vienna skeptics that is a branch of gvp given out to proponents of pseudoscientific ideas and uh, bogus claims and phony treatments and things like that and last year it was given to stefan lanka if you know if you remember that person uh, he was the the denier of the hiv virus and oh yeah 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 now i remember the measles the measles virus yep yeah so yeah let's see who's it going to be this time and i just wanted to let everyone know that nominations for the award are open and uh the link will be provided in the show notes so there is really only one thing left to do and i'd like to ask you yelena yeah to give us a nice quote and i will today's quote is from uh, baruch spinoza who was a dutch philosopher he said the highest activity a human being can attain is learning for understanding because to understand is to be free yay cool very good i like that something about something about the truth will set you free <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the truth will oh, set something you free. something like that okay all right freedom is Spinoza. truth a truth uh, there is truth in freedom or whatever yes just chop the whole quote so yes, yes. thing so. off just leave the quote in <laughs> all right <laughs> thank you very much quote. guys it's been fun as always thank you and um, thank you yeah i don't want to sound very very threatening but uh talk to you again next week <laughs> all right cheers bye 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 take care see you bye. later bye 
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe It was um, somebody called John Needham. You don't need them. <laughs> so bad. Sorry. 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 <laughs> <laughs> On the next day, the... Th- <laughs> psychiatry. Reasons to be... Spec- <laughs> reasons to be... Skeptical. Apparently, your voice is uh, strange again. No. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's it's because you're becoming a Frankenstein again. Okay. So, but we did just God, restart it. It should be. I, I hope. I hope we have what? a recording of it because it's 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 hilarious. I'm I'm not amused. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But both of both of us are. It's hilarious. It's like uh, <laughs> I'm maybe. Amused. Maybe if I uh, if yeah, I inhale kinda, some helium, kinda. it will be go back to normal. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Or maybe hmm. it won't. Or maybe not. Are you hearing me? Hello. Now? <laughs> yes. How do I sound? You sound weird. <laughs> What? Yeah. Again. Yeah. Still. Yeah. No. Nope. Oh fuck. You sound no, like okay, like actually, like no. one with a What? swollen face. So we should restart everything. Okay, that's yeah. That's we need to, and then we need to do the clappity clap again and fuckity fuck. Okay. <laughs>